0: Um, and right now, um, I'm going to have come up um, Pastor Barry Quirk, who is over our Christian Day School GGCA. He's also a trustee in our church. Um, he's a great man of God, a great friend of mine, co-labor in the inner city for decades down at uh, Lafayette Courts. So welcome with me, Pastor Barry Quirk. And we love him, right? Yeah. we talking about the same guy? My goodness. Walk by faith. faith. (laughs) Thanks, Alan. Uh, as As you know from discussion, our schools are starting back up again here tomorrow. It's exciting, isn't it? And that's a big deal for us, but it's a big deal for us because this is not something that we do out on an island, uh, it's something that we do very much with the body of Christ at the center of, and it would not be possible for us, actually, to be able to, to have a school without you. And I, I just want you to think about this for a minute because, you know, have you ever noticed that this world is full of a lot of talk? And it's not very positive, it can be very critical, uh, everybody can identify everything that's wrong. Nobody wants to take any steps to do what's right. Well, guess what? As the body of Christ, you have taken some amazing steps, and you put your your money where your mouth is, so to speak. Right. So we have a Christian school that came out of a vision from the ministry to educate our children, and as a result of that, it's it's really grown so much beyond just our children. Uh, for instance, when we started the school back in 1987, and uh, I was not there, but when the school was started, it really was to cater to, to our children who were part of our ministry, and maybe 90% of the students that went to the school came from the church. Well, fast forward to the year 2023, and it's more like 55, 45% uh, children from GGWO, 45% children from non-GGWO churches. And guess what? We love it. We love it. We have an opportunity to minister Christ in this community in a way that we maybe would never have, right? But that's, what, what is this church all about? It's about hearing the voice of God and doing what he has for us, right? And as we consider this, this upcoming school year, um, we have a vision and a mission, and it's sprouted from the vision and the mission of this ministry and the body of Christ here. And we don't want to be we want to be great stewards of that opportunity, right so we have we have students coming in here, they come, they sit down, they interv- interview with us and one of the, by the way, do we have any, how many parents do we have here from Greater grace Christian Christian Academy? If you're here, just raise your hand for us. Come on, raise them boldly. awesome, awesome, thank you. so uh, <laughs> so when we sit down to talk we we say, you know we have we are Greater Grace Christian Academy is a Christian with a capital C, right? We don't have this little C Christian school that it's in the name, but it's not in the people. But we have a Christian school with a capital C, which means Christ is at the center of our school. And John Cook and I had a chance this summer to go to a Worldview conference in New Orleans. And at that, that Worldview conference, we, we spent four days hearing about the days we live in and how important it is to have a Christ-centered worldview because if we're not bold in our steps of faith for Christ the world is very bold in their steps of faith for not Christ but for every cesspool of being that's out there and so we are we're blessed and excited to be able to be a part of the ministry of this ministry right to be stewards of the call of God on our ministry that our pastor imparts from the pulpit that we hear from when we read our Bibles. We say, God doesn't call us just to be critics, but he calls us to go into all the world, right? To go and to make disciples and to let people know, lo, I am with you. And going doesn't mean we have to travel across the world, although we do. (laughs) Our lunchtime conversations in the, the cafeteria at GGCA are interesting. When I was in Thailand, we used to do, oh, yeah, no, the, we did that over there in Slovakia when I was visiting. And, it, you know, it's, if somebody were to walk in, they would be like, where am I? <laughs> um, but it's the body of Christ. And I just wanted to show you or give you a picture. I don't know if we have that, um, if we have our mission statement available. Is that, is that available? Okay. So do me a favor for your, for your extra Sunday homework, because I'm sure Pastor's going to give us some. Go to the GGCA website, it's very hard to remember, ggca.org, okay? Go there and click on the little tabs at the top and you'll see who we are, what we believe. And you know what you'll find out? It says this, that Greater Grace Christian Academy desires to discipline, excuse me, disciple. Hey, sometimes discipline's part of discipling. Let's put the glasses on. Uh, GGCA desires to disciple Christian youth by word and example in the Spirit of God to love the Lord God with all their heart soul mind and strength our purpose and listen to this is to minister to Christ minister to church-going parents by assisting them in their God-given responsibility to train their children through a Christ-centered, Bible-based learning environment and curriculum, we provide our students with the necessary skills to succeed in life. That's what you do as a church. And you might not have children in our school, and you might be saying, well, the school, yeah, what's that have to do with me? Oh, a lot. The school happens because you are here. Your life in the body of Christ. Congratulations, you have a Christian school that put legs to the vision. You don't just talk about it. You don't just think about it. You pray, if you've been to our school and you've talked to our teachers, they're a reflection of the body of Christ. And they come to school every day prepared because they live in God's preparation, which happens from this pulpit in this church and the call of God in their lives. So we just wanted to say as we start the school year, congratulations to you. Congratulations to you for having faith, for walking in it, for listening to the voice of God, for praying for our school, for praying for our teachers praying for our students. Um, Last thing I'll say is, the decks are stacked against our students. Did you know that? They are. We've been talking numbers this week in our biblical worldview training about how many hours in a year students are in front of a screen. It's astronomical. You know, the numbers are 2,767 hours in front of the screen versus 151 hours Talking about God and going to church and doing things, so twenty times the amount in this in the world we live in. Well, I think that we are in the percentage that does it a lot more because we're intentional about it. Because you have a vision, because we have an, an ear to hear from the Lord, and we walk in it. So thank you for being a part of that. Keep us in prayers as we start this school year, and be a be a pray a prayer contributor. Um, Encourage the teachers, encourage the students, and watch how God answers these prayers, okay? Thank you.
1: Good morning. It's great to be here be uh, in Christ's love today. Hey, Bible College starts on Monday just as much as GGCA and GGLC. And um, the first week, Monday through Friday, so we have classes Monday night, Tuesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, all of those are free to attend for anyone who's never been. Uh, The first week is always open house week. So please, if you're considering, or even if you're not, and you just wanna see what it's about, Uh, Come and be with us for the first week of college, okay? Uh, We'll be in those two little classrooms back there, and um, so many amazing things happen (coughs) in those classrooms, so come and be part of that. I'm going to be in Mark chapter 10 today, so we can start in Mark chapter 10, and I'll read verses 17 through 22, and then we'll pray. Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 22. And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why do you call me good? There is no one good but one, that is God. You know the commandments do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness. Defraud not, honor your father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. Then Jesus beholding him, loved him, and said unto him, One thing you lack, go your way, sell whatsoever you have, and give to the poor. And you shall have treasure in heaven, and come, take up the cross, and follow me. And he was sad at that saying, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. So let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for loving us, for dying for us, for counting our sins as your own, for speaking to us always in compassion and love and in truth. We ask that you speak to us now in in that way, that you would show us uh, wonderful things from your word that we would be taught, built up, encouraged, and shown your goodness in a way <clears throat> that we have not yet understood. In Jesus' name, amen. Sorry, that was such a good song. <laughs> Sometimes I snort, my wife's not proud of it. <laughs> Ooh, okay. Okay. Hey, if you're a Bible college student, could you stand up? Take the, take the focus off of, over here for a second. If you're a Bible college student, could you stand up? Could you guys, yeah. Thank you. Wow. Uh, these students are amazing. Uh, the, each night they're going to give up to be here is, is like, uh, wow. Wow. <laughs> Okay. (laughs) Sorry. In verse 17, it says, when he was gone forth into the way, uh, there came one running. This story is found in three of the Gospels, the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And this is the story of the rich young ruler. It doesn't say all three phrases right there in this section, but this is when you put all three Gospels together, this is the rich young ruler. And A couple things stick out to me whenever we read verse 17. The very first thing is is that he came running. He came running to Christ. Uh, He has good intentions. He's eager. He's excited. He has something he needs to speak to Jesus about. He may not fully understand who Jesus is or know everything that he's about, but he comes running to him because he's excited about meeting this person that he's heard so much about. Uh, In the book of Mark, we're in chapter 10. A lot of time has passed. A lot of miracles have already taken place. A lot of things uh, have, have been spoken about and preached about and talked about by others about what Jesus has done. So this young ruler is just like, okay, I, I got to meet this person. I have something I need to ask him. I, I have something to talk to him about. The second thing it says is that he kneeled to him. He kneeled to him. So again, good intentions. Uh, You kneel before someone. You are like in in a state of submission to them. You are telling them that you honor and respect them. Uh, As a teacher in Israel, you revere them. You want to sit under their teaching, whatever it may be. So he comes running and he kneels. And then the last thing is he just simply asks him. He just comes right up to him and asks him the question. Um, There's two ways you can ask people questions in life. This same question is asked in the book of Luke by another person. So, what question does he ask him? Well, we have to go, let's see. At the end of the verse, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Now, before we talk about that, flip on over to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10 and verse 25 It says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Same question. Same question as the rich young ruler who came running, who came and knelt before him, who called him like good teacher. He addressed him like with a proper uh, salutation. Is one way to come up and ask someone a question. And then this guy with something in his heart to tempt Christ to see what he actually knew, what he actually was about. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Like when you're listening to someone and you're following along with what they're saying, you're like, Oh really? Like you're interested in what they're saying and what's going on. And then the other person who's a little credulous, who's listening along, but really kind of critical and, and maybe vindictive towards the person. Oh really? Oh really? See the difference? The difference in the way that you ask the question. This rich young ruler in Mark chapter 10 was like sincere. He was interested. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And this is like a really honest question that all of us can relate to. This is a question that we all have probably asked at some point in our lives. Jesus, when we start to get to know who he is and what he's about, Jesus, what can I do to inherit eternal life? And it can come from a good place, a place of good conscience. But there's also something going on in this young man's heart that Jesus is going to reveal to him and to anyone else who's there listening, because he wants to teach everyone an important lesson about coming to him, coming to him as Christ. So in verse 18, after he addresses him as good master, Jesus says unto him, why do you call me good? There is no one good, but one that is God. And uh, Jesus is already starting to hint at what he's going to say to this young man. What area of his heart he's going to convict. What area he's going to shine light on that maybe has been a blind spot to this young man all of his life. Why do you call me good? The way that you define good, the way that you understand good, the way that you would consider other people to be good, the judgments you make of them. That's not who you're speaking to right now. The only one that is good the only one that deserves that title is God. Not a single other human being on the planet, just God, deserves that title, good. And so Jesus is, like, making that point right away. Don't, like, do you even know me as God right now? Or are you just addressing me the way that you understand goodness to be your definition of goodness? Verse 19, you know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor your father and mother. How many commandments did we just list right there? Let's read it again, let's count them, you ready? How many commandments are here in verse 19? Do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, Honor your father and your mother. Six out of ten is the common answer. Six out of 613. Six out of ten for the Ten Commandments. Uh, Why is Jesus giving him the Ten Commandments? But more importantly, why is he only giving him the latter six of the first Ten Commandments? When you look at Exodus 20 and the Ten Commandments are introduced, what's the very first commandment? I heard a lot of answers. <laughs> I'm glad you're participating. Thank you. <laughs> what? Go ahead one more time. What's the first commandment? Okay, you shall have no other gods before me. That's the one in Exodus chapter 20. That's the first commandment. Uh, later on in the Gospels, when Jesus is asked, what's the greatest commandment? He answers differently. He doesn't quote Exodus chapter 20, Moses listing out the commandments in verses 1 through 12 or 15 or however far it goes, he goes to Deuteronomy chapter 6, and he says, the Lord your God is one Lord. He is one God. And he says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your body, all of your strength. But he doesn't reference either one of these. He gives him the last six commandments of the Ten Commandments because he knows this young man's answer. He knows this young man thinks that he is good. He knows that this young man believes that because he's been able to to never commit adultery, never murder, never, uh, what does it say? Never steal, never bear false witness, never covet anything of his neighbors. That's what it means, defraud not. Uh, He's been able to honor his father's mother. And he answered, verse 20, and he says unto him, Master, all these I have observed from my youth. He's so excited right now. He's so ready. He's like yes, I'm being justified by this man who's performing miracles and doing amazing things, and he's saying, I am good, and Jesus is, like, coming with it. He's coming with the real answer. This is, this is, like, the best part about having a relationship with Christ, is that every time you come to Jesus, he's going to speak the truth in love. He's going to give you the word, uh, with the exact application it's intended for for your life in that moment. It's not going to be the letter of the law. It's not going to be a list of various commandments. It's going to be exactly what you need to hear to take the next step to either get to know him more or to receive him as your savior or to take another step in your sanctification, your walk with God. He's always going to have the word that you need to hear. Now, this young man's excited. He thinks he's hearing like Jesus backing him up. I, I've done all these things, Lord. I've, I've walked through that. So clearly this, this young man never heard the Sermon on the Mount because murder and adultery are like explained way deeper than what they are in the Old Testament. When Jesus speaks about murder and adultery, he says, if you hate your brother, you've committed murder. If you've looked upon a woman in lust, you've committed adultery. So he's never heard that, he's never heard Christ speak directly to him, but right now he gets the opportunity to hear Christ speak directly to him. This is my favorite part, verse 21. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him. You could stop right there for a second. Jesus, beholding him, loved him. I think that's why I love the song so much, because I was thinking about this verse this morning, and you guys are just singing, like, he is love, he is love, Uh, oh, man, okay. Jesus, beholding him, loved him, and said unto him, he didn't mince words with what he's about to say next. He didn't hold back and say, well, you know what? I'm not going to give you the whole truth right now. I'm just going to say it to you exactly like it is. And he purposely left out the very first commandment of the Ten Commandments. You shall have no other God's little g before me. Because this young man has a God that comes before Christ. Verse 21. One thing you lack. Go your way sell whatsoever you have and give to the poor. And you shall have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross and follow me. And, when he, and he was sad at that saying and went away grieved, for he had great compassion. Uh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> he had great possessions. I was getting all fired up and ready to go and you were like, nope, hold on. All right. <laughs> He had great possessions. Uh, How often do we come to God with our own ideals, our own expectations, our own uh, way of thinking? Good master, good master, what can I do? With his definition, the rich young ruler's definition of good, good master, what can I do to inherit eternal life? And in the back of his mind, maybe he's thinking like, I'm living a, a moral and ethical life. Uh, he's, he's a young ruler in the Jewish community, which means he has a little bit of status within his community. He's probably a, like, like someone important in the synagogue and people look up to him and he has a reputation. Uh, He probably thinks of himself as a righteous person based on his keeping of the last six commandments of the 10 commandments. How often do we do that with God? Pretty often, pretty often. Guilty. 100% guilty. Um, There's always one thing. Jesus says, one thing you lack. There's always one thing. There's always one more something that I would need to accomplish that I cannot accomplish. I could never actually step forward and accomplish whatever that is to be able to inherit anything from Christ. There's always going to be one more thing. The rich young ruler says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? There's always going to be one more thing. There's never going to be, all right, I did it, now I have it. All right, uh, I, I was able to take care of this thing, now I, can, now, I can ha- now I can receive it. That's like the exact opposite of what Jesus is trying to say to him. There's there's always going to be one thing. What is that one thing that separates every single one of us from God from the moment that we're born? Sin. It's sin. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is always something between us and meeting Christ for who he really is. There's always something that's going to hold us back from being able to say, yeah, I've grabbed onto eternal life. It's mine. I have it. I've earned it. I've, I've pro- procured it. I've lived a life uh, well enough. In one of the other gospels, it says, Jesus says to him, well, you must live perfectly. And again, in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5:48, it says, be ye therefore perfect as my father in heaven is perfect. That's impossible. Jesus, why would you tell us that? Jesus, why do you say we have to live perfectly? Why do you tell me there's one more thing? I'm so good at keeping these five or six commandments. Lord, what, how is that not good enough for you? When he says to him in verse 21, you, you got to catch this, please, <laughs> please let this come out. When he says to him, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatsoever you have, give to the poor, you shall have treasure in heaven, and come take up the cross and follow me. Jesus is actually like condemning himself. He's saying, I'm going to go take care of that for you. Without this person knowing, without the rich young, young ruler having any idea that he's about to go to the cross to take upon any sins that any person has, but specifically having any other God before him, He's about to go take care of that on the cross. He's saying, well, I've left heaven. I've stepped down from any riches I could have possibly had. I've stepped down from my throne. I'm giving my life to everyone and everything and any person who will receive it. I am gonna go take up the cross myself. And the rich young ruler thinks he's being condemned by Christ's words, but really, Christ is condemning himself to say, It's okay, I'll do it. It's okay, I'll take care of it. It's okay, I will go and die and be judged for your sins so that you can do nothing and have eternal life. What must I do? The simple answer Jesus would say is nothing. The theological answer, the correct like the, the answer that we understand when we, when we talk about faith is we believe. We put our faith in him. Does that require any action on our part? Does that require us to walk in all 10 commandments of the law, let alone all 613 commandments of the law? No, Christ came to fulfill the law and he did that. And when he was resurrected from the dead, He made a way for any one of us to have eternal life. It's impossible for us to do anything to enter into heaven. So when the rich young ruler goes away, it says he was grieved, he had great possessions. A few verses later, in verse 27... As he's teaching the people around him what was spoken about and, and what he just taught, he says this in verse 27. He says, With men it is impossible, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. Man cannot do anything. Master, master. I'm kneeling down at your feet. I believe in, in you as a great teacher. I want to submit to your teachings. I, wanna, I came running to you. I'm eager to hear what you have to say to me. I want to know what I can do. And Jesus is just like, like, like the same thing happens at the end of, uh, of Luke 10 with Mary and Martha. Martha is running about doing everything. And, Mar- and Jesus says about Mary, one thing is needful. And that's what Mary's doing. She's just sitting there, receiving, sitting there, receiving, sitting there, listening to what Christ has to say. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul speaks about all the things that he had, all the possessions that he held, that were dear to him, that meant something to him, his status in society, uh, how he kept the law, how he persecuted the church when he was an unbeliever. He lists all of these things that were important to him the same way the rich young ruler was like listing, yeah, I've done this, I've done that, yeah, I have accomplished this, I've accomplished that. But then after Paul gets saved, he comes to this conclusion in verse 7. We'll end in Romans chapter 2 and 3. In Romans 2 and verse 23, it says, You that make your boast of the law through breaking the law, do you dishonor God? Paul asks the question uh, to many religious people through his letter. If you make your boast of the law, if you're the rich young ruler coming to Christ and saying, I've kept this, I've kept that, I've observed this, I've done this, I'm justified, right? I'm, I'm righteous, right? If you dishonor in one aspect of the law, it says in the book of James that if you, if you break any part of the law, you've broken the whole law. Paul reasons, well, then you dishonor God in its entirety, in his entirety. So what's What's the answer if all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God? If all of us are always going to have one more thing that keeps us away from knowing who Jesus is, fully knowing that he is God, not believing that he is just some good person, some teacher, some someone that we can look up to and try to emulate in some way, but that he is actually God, the God of the universe, the one who by the word of his power holds all things together in the book of Hebrews? What's the answer? Romans 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. What's the answer? For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Back to Romans chapter 3. What's the answer? In verse 19 and 20, Now we know that whatsoever things the law says, it says to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. But, verse 21, Now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. The rich young ruler is speaking to the manifestation of the righteousness of God as he's hearing these words, as he's hearing the truth, as he's receiving God's love. In verse 22, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. And then there's that verse, for all have sinned. And come short of the glory of God. So we all have a problem it's sin. We all have one more thing that keeps us from making that connection with who Jesus Christ is. But He says to us that His gift is His death and His righteousness, His resurrection for our sins. He, he, he pays the penalty for our sins. He's resurrected, and he shows us that eternal life is possible through belief in him. That's like, that's love. That's love. He looked on the young man with love, and he said to him, one thing you lack. It's not about what you can do. It's about what I'm... What what I'm going to do. It's about what I'm going to do. Let's pray. Uh, If you are not a believer, you have never put your faith in Jesus Christ, I ask you really to please consider these words in your heart, that Jesus loves you so much that he would tell you that there's something between you and him. And furthermore, that he would tell you that he has the answer for you to get past that. And it's that he has already torn that veil between you and him. And that if you just put down those things that you believe in, those methods that you want to apply to your life and to the lives of others, if you would just put those down and say, Christ, I want it your way. Christ, I want to believe in what you've done for me. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. He will honor that. And he will give you the eternal life that you yourself could never walk or step into without him. So if you're an unbeliever in this room and you'd like to receive Christ today, please just say this prayer in your heart. Just say, Jesus, I am a sinner, thank you for dying for my sins. I ask that you receive me into eternal life. And if you've prayed that, if you could just lift up your hand quickly, it's the first time you've ever prayed that, if you could just lift up your hand to let us know, we have a gift for you that you can receive to help you in your walk with God. Jesus, we thank you for teaching us, for loving us, for caring enough about us to tell us the truth at all times and to show us how we can always 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 come back to you in Jesus name we pray amen okay
2: let's go over it for a second Uh, rich young ruler three words is he rich all right, anybody here want to be rich? <laughs> rich, young, how about, how about people want to be young? You turn to your neighbor and you say, did you take your vitamins today? <laughs> are you doing the workouts? Are you young, how old are you? What, what's the three words? What are the three words? Rich, what's everybody want? Everybody wants what, rich, young, Ruler, what's the word ruler mean? Power, yeah, three big words. And when you are young, how, how young, 25? You're heading to be in the Sanhedrin. You're going to be in the Sanhedrin. This guy's got a future. He wrote the book, Seven Most Effective Ways of Living a Successful Life like Seven Habits of Successfully Effective People. He wrote that book, okay? He's in charge. He is a ruler. He's got it all down. Turn to your neighbor and just say, it doesn't look like you got that. (laughs) No, you don't have that. Hey, wait a minute. But this guy has, and when he meets Jesus, he's all ready to roll. He's gonna get his seal. Jesus is going to give him a seal of approval, and he's good to go. He's all the way. He's going. He's 29 years old, and he's on the top of his game. Wow. What did Jesus say? One thing you lack. You're a dollar short. You're a minute late. One thing you lack. One thing you lack. Wow. Wasn't that a good message? Well, we can go to the bank with that message. Thanks, Pastor Matt. Uh, before we close our service, this uh, one, we have one at 11, and then tonight. Uh, but I always like it that when you come to church, you can feel that, you know, you carry a burden maybe, or you have a need and you'd like somebody to pray for you, or talk to somebody about Jesus. And maybe somebody here has a word for you. So uh, if you're a pastor, come on down front, and then they people identify you as a, you know, somebody that might have a word of wisdom for you. Uh, and it could be anybody in the room, but as you go, you, know, you, you, you just need somebody to put your, their hand on your shoulder and pray for my week. You go to somebody up here and just say, could you pray for my week? You know, I, I got a big challenge. Pray for my daughter or my son or my job or give me something. I need something more. I, I got one thing, I, one thing you lack. Well, in my case, I got a hundred things I lack. <laughs> I'm lacking big time. I need Jesus in my life. How about it? Amen. All right. So, Lord, thank you for this message and time together. These are important days. We need your word written in our hearts. Engrave it with an iron pen on our hearts, Lord. Put it in us, Jesus. Thank you for we we have been with your people this morning. Bless in Jesus' name. amen. Amen. You are dismissed.